1: Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety. Where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So let's dig right in, shall we? Today I am sharing a friend of mine, Doug Wochesek, whom I've interviewed several times throughout the years, and you'll recognize him as one of the 31 authors who participated in our recent patient safety anthology titled Highway to Heart, Humor and Honesty in Healthcare. And if you have not read the book yet, put it on your to-do list for today. You can get a copy at our website, speakupandstayalive.com, or at Doug's website, sorryworks.net. Doug is a disclosure training consultant who created the company called SorryWorks and he has trained thousands of health care insurance and legal professionals he also has had several personal and professional experiences with tort reform and medical malpractice issues he lost his oldest brother to medical errors in 1998 and his family successfully sued the hospital and doctors with the case settling in the year 2000 the hospital attorneys not the doctors empathized with his family but only after the case was settled and money exchanged hands and they did not admit fault or apologize for the fatal errors. This eventually led Doug to create Sorry Works, a non profit organization dedicated to patient safety. And today I want to highlight some of his newest offerings, a hotline to help those who are struggling perhaps with medical errors, and along with that his newest work, a short booklet. It's short, but yet a comprehensive guide for patients and families who are struggling with potential medical error. The book is titled, Did the Doctor Make a Mistake? A Guide for Patients and Families Facing Complications and Possible Medical Errors. This book will help you to understand your options and how to take action and restore peace in your life. It's written from the perspective of a family who has experienced two medical errors, so this book will answer your questions and guide your steps during a challenging time. And always so fun for me to talk with Doug, so I want to bring him on. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show, Doug.
2: Thanks, Pat. And it was an awesome introduction, and it's good to be talking to you, too. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you and your audience today. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you as well. I always enjoy talking with you. It's easy. We're always on the same page with what we want to share with folks. So I want to highlight your um Your hotline that you're offering to people, it's a free resource, and also your new book, Did the Doctor Make a Mistake? Let's hit the book first, and if you want to talk about the hotline as we're moving through it, go ahead. You have six chapters. It's an easy-to-read book, only 40 pages, but very, very thick and dense with important information. Chapter one is titled, It's Not Always Malpractice or Medical Error, Some Thoughts on Informed Consent. Take it away.
2: I also want to talk a little bit about the introduction, too, because, you know, I want to just kind of give a reason for the booklet and, and for, the, uh, for the hotline, uh, you know, the, the broader hotline service that we're offering. You know, a lot of great work going on in patient safety. You're doing great work. I'm doing great work. Other people are doing great work. There's a, a lot of work that's done, you know, helping, you know, people deal with medical errors and stuff like that. But there's never been a concerted effort to help people in the immediate aftermath of, of, an, of an adverse event. You know, when they're lost, they're confused, they're emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, uh, hurt, uh, suffering, grieving. The, the typical thing that these people are told is go find a lawyer, you know, call a lawyer, you know, get the phone book, fire, hire a lawyer. And, and you know, nothing wrong with lawyers. I, I love lawyers. I Some of my best friends are lawyers. Uh, but, you know, this situation demands more. These people need more. They need uh, more sophisticated, nuanced advice. They need to think about and help. They need help thinking about their options, and they need someone to listen. Uh, They need someone to give them an honest, empathetic ear, and then give them honest, uh, even blunt advice. uh, You know, going forward to help them figure out the next steps in their life. So that's the reason for this. And you you know, as we start down, you know, chapter one in the book, as you ask about informed consent, and not everything is a medical error. So often, when something does go wrong. And I've seen this with many people I know and people I've met in my work over the last 15 years. There's the automatic presumption that it was a mistake. It was a medical error. The doctor must have screwed up. The nurse must have screwed up. The pharmacist must have wrote the prescription wrong or filled the prescription wrong. Sometimes it is. Sometimes that isn't. And so I thought it was important at the onset of this book to describe what an error is, what an error is not. Uh, to talk about you know, the, the, the most important thing a family can do or a patient can do before they have a procedure or, or start a new treatment plan or a new therapy is to talk with their doctor about what can go wrong. And this doesn't happen enough. Uh, and sometimes it's the fault of the doctor or the nurse because they, they literally come in five minutes before the procedure and hand you a stack of forms to sign and say, sign here, sign here. Sometimes doctors do a great job of covering the risk, but the patients' families don't listen. So it's important to really have an honest discussion about what can go wrong and see if you're okay with that. And if, if you're not, then what are the other options for you?
1: Mm-hmm. It also puts a bit of the onus on you as the patient or the family member. We do need informed consent, as you say, so you can make an informed choice. And you also say nobody should be surprised when a known complication occurs.
2: I, I try to parse through some of the language because, you know, this, this is... Uh, yeah, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an insurance guy, but having done this for 15 years and rubbing elbows with these people a lot in the course of my brother's case and my nephew's case, uh I've kind of learned some of this stuff and people need to understand what it means to, you know, what's the difference between a known complication or a known risk uh versus a medical error and and, and what is the standard of care? What does it mean to breach the standard of care? So so we get into those those details get into those weeds a little bit and try to help consumers be educated just because something goes wrong in a hospital or a nursing home or any type of healthcare setting doesn't necessarily mean there's a mistake. And that's important because, you know, people can literally drive themselves nuts chasing something that is not there. And and that's not healthy. That's not good. Conversely, if there was a mistake, they need honesty and, and reconciliation. They need closure and they need accountability. But again, to get it to get what you need, you first need to get educated. In what it is about? What does it mean for a doctor to actually make a mistake uh, versus just, you know, a known complication or risk that the doctor did their best, but it just wasn't in the cards that day. So mm-hmm. that's a, some important distinctions we try to help people make.
1: Excellent. and There's a lot of good information in that chapter, which then takes us to your chapter two called "Surviving the Worst Moments of Your Life: What to Do and Not to Do." following a potential medical error and i think that's where people tend to go astray um because you kind of lose your mind after that you don't you're not even thinking clearly so maybe share some thoughts and tips on that situation
2: they're often emotionally charged situations uh as they should be uh no surprise there it, it's upsetting not only for for patients and families it's, it's upsetting for doctors and nurses too yeah i i tell people in the book it's okay to show your emotions it, it's okay to. Be upset, to, to cry, to sob, to bang your hand on a table and say, well, you know, why God? Why this? Uh, it's okay to be withdrawn. Um, you know, it's, it's not okay to curse out the doctor. It's not okay to, to have threatened physical violence or, or things like that. You know, you, you need to express your emotions, but do so in a, you know, somewhat respectful manner. Um, and then we, you know, in the rest of the chapter, we kind of tick through the, the list of, things that people need to be thinking about. The first thing is, you know, assuming the patient or your family member is alive, you know, the first first order of business for everybody, you know, family, physicians, uh, hospital, nursing home is what are the medical concerns going forward? Get that stuff addressed uh, quickly and find out what's going on. And then we talk about, you know, that once some of those issues are, you know, solidified, then then you should be expecting empathy and care and concern from from, from the doctors and nurses, uh, you know, the, the administration, the leadership, uh, a, a promise of a review. Uh, you know, and, and as part of that review, they're going to get your side of the story. Uh, so, you know, we, we kind of go through all those different things and try to provide almost like uh, we try to help people triage the situation. Because, Pat, I, I'm sure you've heard this uh, numerous times that when, when this happens to people, they're just lost. They have no idea what to do. They feel like they're the only one that is, this has ever happened to. Of course, that's not true, but that's what they, they feel like, and they just feel totally alone, have no idea what to do. So we we try to provide some very practical advice and ideas, you know, born out of, uh, of uh, some bad experiences of our own to help these people navigate these, these choppy, uh, uncharted waters.
1: And it's not always a great idea to shout out that uh, you'll be hearing from my lawyer because you do want to try to resolve this, if you can, between the staff, the hospital, and the family ahead of time. But what if you find that you do need a lawyer and you address that in Chapter 3? What's the criteria for seeking a lawyer and what should we be thinking?
2: And you're right, you know, and that's an important point to, to kind of finish off Chapter 2 is, you know, you know, not only do doctor, doctors and nurses sometimes run away when something goes wrong. It certainly happened in my brother's case. It still happens today, unfortunately, some 20-some years later. But too often, families will run away. uh you know they'll get so mad, and they'll, you'll hear from my lawyer, and they'll run away and and they run away from an organization that might be very ethical and 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 want to fix their problem and I've had plenty of hospital ministers call me and say, "I'm trying to call this family we We screwed it up. we know we we want to fix it, make it right, but they won't pick up the phone. It's maintaining your composure it, It's okay to be upset, but don't lose your mind." And don't burn bridges. And 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 the first step back when something goes wrong is to uh, try to engage the doctor, the nurse, the you know the healthcare organization, and ask questions and see what kind of response you get. And and I have plenty of lawyer friends that say that's the best advice going because if if you're ultimately going to end up on my doorstep, the lawyer, they'll be asking many questions, including what did the doctor do, what did the doctor say, what did the hospital, what did the nursing home do for you, and and it's great evidence if if you got you know for, from a legal perspective. If you got the door slammed in your face, if your emails were never responded to, if they promise meetings and they cancel them, or, you know, if you just got the old, you know, cover the, cover the rear end response, then, then that's interesting information for a lawyer. But you only get that if you try to remain engaged. So try to remain engaged, do your best, treat it like a customer service complaint, literally, like any other type of customer service complaint you'd have in your life. And, and then if that doesn't work or you don't get what you need, then it's time to consider a lawyer and, You know, again, we try to provide some very practical advice in the booklet. You know, lawyers specialize in different areas of the law. Not every lawyer out there can handle a case like this. Sometimes the best lawyers for medical malpractice or any type of legal matter don't advertise beyond having a website. You know, the best ones don't need to advertise because they get so much word of mouth. So you need to ask friends and family. If you have a family attorney that's done your will. Uh, or a trust, or, or any type of other legal matter for your family, you might call him or her and say, "Hey, who's the best guy or gal in town to do med mal?" I guarantee they know two or three really good firms, and then they'll do—they'll be happily do a referral for you. And then, but before you step in that office, have your thinking organized, uh, have a timeline put together, uh, have documentation. Uh, the more stuff you have written down, the better. And the thing I always tell people uh, before they go to a lawyer, they got to realize that most med mal firms the really good ones, the ones that are outstanding, they reject 99 out of 100 cases that come in their door. Sometimes it has to do because there's not enough money in the case. Sometimes it has to do because the the patient or family is just, you know, just kind of an emotional train wreck and can't communicate and is not going to be a a good witness if they have to go that far. Unfortunately, patients and families don't always market and sell themselves well to lawyers. They don't have their facts organized. They're They're not good at communicating. Or they do unfortunate things like walk in the lawyer's office and say, how much money is this worth? That's actually a turnoff to a lot of lawyers. So again, we have a lot of practical stuff in the booklet that helps people uh, think about what that world can be like if they need to go down the legal route.
1: You want to make it easy for a lawyer to see that you have a legitimate and valuable complaint. You say, don't be the family who has an incoherent rambling story because attorneys don't have time for that. But then you also said, you know, you're so emotional that how do you put that in order and and document everything and be calm and rational and have it very tight and coherent so that an attorney would take a few minutes to look at it and figure, hey, this is a case I could take or not. It almost makes me think that there's a job opening there for somebody (laughs) to step in to be that bridge between the um, harmed patient at family that might be able to pull all this together to present it to the attorney? Because I'm not sure that most people in the throes of that would even have the capability of pulling all that data and putting it in some kind of a coherent order to present to an attorney.
2: Yeah, that, that, that is a trick. You're, you're right. You're right, Pat. That, that is a trick. And, you know, and there are people out there called patient advocates, you know, who will help you, for example, navigate the nursing home or, or navigate your bills from the hospital, uh, And, you know, I did kind of little bit of sampling, a survey of those people. I I have not, I I don't know too many of them or haven't seen too many of them that are in this space, Mm -hmm. though, helping people deal with a potential error and how to line up with a lawyer. Um, And so I I think there is a need there uh, and and there is a bit of a vacuum there. But what I will say to people is the best thing you can do for yourself, the best way you can organize your thoughts. and, And one of my past jobs, I was a legal investigator. I didn't do med mal, but I did everything else. And what we always did when we developed a case was put together a timeline. Just get out a sheet of paper or get on Microsoft Word and just start putting down dates and times with as much information as you can. And it's amazing how that process can help organize thinking and also ring out some of the emotions and help you get kind of logical and, and thoughtful. Because you have to understand, you have to think of, how a lawyer is going to look at this, you know, they don't, they're not, it's not their mom, it's not their cousin that got crippled or died. Um, They don't have the emotional skin like a a family or patient will have. Unfortunately, or fortunately, they're looking at it from a business aspect and they're thinking, I've got 20 other potential cases. I only have so many hours a day to prosecute them. I only get paid when I win. And that's an important thing. Personal lawyers only get paid when they win. I think most people know that, but not all do. So they're thinking, what is my best chance for success here? So again, like you said, Pat, you've got to you've got to put your best foot forward and present uh, the best options. And uh, so you know, that's there's some good thoughts in there on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that something that will dovetail with your hotline?
2: You know, the purpose of the hotline. You know, obviously this is a resource within the hotline. The booklet, you know, did the doctor make a mistake is a resource we're offering through the hotline. The hotline is, is, you know, it's a phone number. It's an email. It's a way for people who are dealing with this type of situation, dealing with an adverse event that might be an error to call or contact us and get some help organizing or thinking. Um, I want to be clear. We're not a, we're not a law firm. We're not, or, not offering legal advice. We're not going to judge the merit of your case. Was there a mistake or not? We're not going to judge the value of your case. What we will do though is, is listen and once we're done listening, once you've had your chance to share what you think is relevant and important, we'll help, hopefully, you know, we'll ask you some questions and hopefully help people organize their thinking along all these different parameters, you know. um, You know, a question I often ask people when they come to me and say, you know, X, Y, and Z happened in the hospital, I'm mad, I'm angry, I think there's a mistake. First question I always ask is, did you go back to the doctor? Have you shared this with the doctor? Have you talked to risk management or patient experience or the CEO's office. Have you talked to the nursing manager? Who have you talked to? Have you talked to anybody? If yes, what do they say? If not, well, let's let's help you think about how to go back to them. So there's a lot of different paths we can help you think about going down. Uh, or they slam the door in my face, they wouldn't talk to me. Okay, well, then maybe you want to get legal counsel. Let's talk about what that path looks like. Or they are going to disclose and apologize to me. They're going to make a mistake. They're going to make an offer. Well, how do we make sure that your needs are being met? Maybe you need to get a lawyer in that instance just to review the offer you're being given. So, you know, that hotline will be a conversation. A lot of what we would talk to you about in the hotline is already in the book, which is fine. So, you know, again, we're trying to meet people however they're comfortable uh, in whatever way they're going to learn about this topic uh, and try to fill a, a space that no one else has filled at this point.
1: Absolutely. You're so valuable. Thank you for doing this work. It's a lot of hard work, but it is obviously so needed. And um, as I think about your next chapter, Resolution and Healing, you know, people are harmed by a medical error. And so, you know, maybe they whatever got an infection or whatever they whatever the outcome was of the actual physical harm but there is so much emotional harm and spiritual and mental harm that goes not only with the patient who was harmed but that entire family as they navigate through a malpractice case or maybe that's denied to them there's a lot that goes on and it can last for a long time to come to some kind of a resolution and hopefully eventually heal so maybe just give us a couple tips on that that you share in your book.
2: The one thing I stress to people right away, you know, this is not ER or Grey's Anatomy or Law and Order where these things get solved in 50 minutes or less. Uh, these things can take time, and they should take time. You don't really want people to rush through this. When I say people, I'm talking the doctors and nurses, the hospital, uh, attorneys who may be involved, the family as well. Uh, these things will take time. They can take days, weeks, even months. Uh Even if everyone is ethical and operating in a, a morally right way, it still will take time to get through it, and, and that's okay. As, as part of a review process, as the hospital reviews it, at some point they should be talking to you, the patient, family, get your perspective on what's going on. Uh They should stay in touch with you uh, throughout that process. You should never feel abandoned, and, and you should, they should always have an open door. Anytime you want to call, email, you should be able to do that, and you should get a response in, in, a, in, a, in a reasonably a reasonably uh, timely fashion. When that review is complete, then they should be communicating to you what they found or what they didn't find. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's either going to be a mistake, Captain, and we're sorry and, and here's what we need to do, or there wasn't a mistake and let us explain to you what that is. And that, that's a, you know, sitting down, and having a conversation. Again, it can be emotional, but it's okay to be upset, but don't lose your mind. Uh, it's not only emotional for you, but it's going to be emotional for the doctors and staff and sit down and have a discussion and figure out what it's going to take to resolve the situation, especially if it's an error. You know, we talk about in there, and I'll talk about in the hotline, talk about with you right now. You know, when you talk about resolving a case, Pat, it's it's not just money. Money can be important. You know, if I was taken out by an error, my wife would certainly want to know about mortgage payments and, you know, how we're going to keep the lights on at the house and provide for the kids and college and stuff like that, and that, that can be very important. There's nothing wrong with money. But there can be emotional aspects of the case, too. They're just as important. In some cases, they're more important. You know, How do we make sure this doesn't happen again? How do we memorialize this person? How do we make sure doctors and nurses at this hospital and other hospitals hear this story and make the fixes? So when you get in the emotional stuff, you can actually get very creative and come up with some really robust and amazing solutions that serve everyone's needs and make everyone walk away from that experience feeling like a human being. You know, Pat, so often what's happened in these cases, though, is it just turns into an ugly fight over money. And someone wins in court or someone throws money at the family in a settlement to make them go away. Mm-hmm. They sign a waiver form and then everyone goes away feeling angry and pissed off. Yep. And that's one way to handle it. What we're trying to do in this chapter and with the hotline and all of our work over 15 years is give people a different way to handle these things so they feel better about the stuff when it's all done and, and they truly are healed. Because too many people have gotten money and have have never felt healed.
1: No, I agree. And I'm one of those people. All you want is a little disclosure, you know, or a lot of disclosure. And and just to say, I'm sorry. Gee, I'm sorry that happened. You don't even need to admit guilt. Uh, That wasn't anything I was looking for. It was just somebody to acknowledge what happened instead of watching everybody running around hiding from it. You know, then that's when, when the anger steps in. And then you think, all right, well, I've got to prove a point. So... um. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. and we, we, you and I have talked about this many times before, and you even say this in your chapter, that emotional needs can sometime uh, trump financial concerns, and I think probably most of the time <laughs> that uh, takes the top shelf.
2: I was talking to a very prominent lawyer in Massachusetts a couple weeks ago. In fact, we featured him on Sorry Works. We have a Disclosure and Apology uh, Leaders series. You know, like once a month, we put out an interview with, with a thought leader in, in our space, and and uh, Jeff Catalano, uh, this attorney from Massachusetts, who's very involved in patient safety and the disclosure and apology movement, he said, when- whenever someone comes in my office, patient or family, the first need they they tell me about, it- it's not money, it's safety. They want to know that it's going to get fixed, that it- it's it's not going to happen to the next family that comes in, that their suffering was not in vain. So that's an emotional need. This altruistic, I want to make the world better through my suffering. And I've heard that from so many attorneys as well as so many patients and families that they, they want to, they want acknowledgement. And they want to know that the situation has not been blown off and that, uh, that those emotional needs are met. Um, short of that, like you said, you're going to go off to war mm-hmm. and you want to prove a point, like you said. And, and that can be a very destructive process for everybody. And even if you win, quote unquote, air quotes, you still don't feel whole when it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, we're trying to offer a better way for everybody. Uh, we've spent 15 years educating doctors and nurses about this better way and, and have, have had some success. And, and I think we've got the medical community and the insurance communities headed in the right direction. Now we want to share the same message with patients and families because, you know, no one has really spent time talking with patients and families. What are your options? What can you do? How do you handle this? How do you deal with your emotions? How do you communicate with doctors and nurses? What should you expect? What shouldn't you expect? What's an error? What's not an error? All these different things. No one has ever taught people that, and uh, we want to try to jump in that void with uh, this hotline booklet.
1: So important because if we spend so much time working on the provider side and training them as to what they should and should not do, if we do empower patients, they could actually lead and lead this whole movement by you know, speaking up to their doctors and saying, hey, this is what I need. Can you talk to me about this? And basically then they're going to be creating the outcome that we need here just because of the fact that they now are empowered and they know what it is they can do about it and what they can ask and what they can expect. So I think that's extremely important. Let's talk about chapter five. What if there is no justice? Let's say you can't find an attorney, nobody apologizes, or maybe you know, you did get get a couple bucks from it, but you still don't feel like, all right, I'm satisfied. Yeah. But what next?
2: Oh, I received an email from a person today. said she went to 20 different lawyers, and 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 she got turned down. And, and listening to the facts of the case, I understand why she got turned down. There was a there was likely a mistake, but the you know the, the the medical complexities of the case, and the fact that the patient, uh, her family member, was so uh, had such a tough medical set of circumstances before the event. It is a hard case for any lawyer to take, even the most well financed lawyer to take. So, so, so what do you, what do you tell people like that? And it's really about moving on with your life. I and mean, we can even lump in the last chapter, too, in this regard, because uh, unfortunately, I've seen some families go to some very dark spots if they don't get justice, if they don't find a positive outlet for the stuff, you know, because again, our society makes it oversimplified. If you get hurt in a hospital, sue. And for a handful of people, it works. Uh, a handful of people, uh, you know, like you and me were able to work that process and, and get something out of it. A lot of people, they don't get anything out of it. They, they don't even get off the, the starting blocks. So what do you do with those people? So in this chapter and, you know, me speaking to you right now, I, I'm going to talk about what are some positive outlets you can do? Join the patient safety movement. There, there is a large growing patient safety movement. It's what you do. It's what I do. It's what many other organizations out there do on a local regional statewide and and national level uh and they're always looking for good people uh to get involved and and to share their stories and and to find their space and we need more people in that space and pat you and i know umpteen patient safety advocates and they all got into it it wasn't a plan it wasn't Mm -hmm. what they expect to do their life but they're doing it because of some story something that happened to them so i i encourage people Uh, to go down, uh, to go down that route. And if you can't find exactly what you like in the patient safety movement, start your own, you know, the world today with social media and everything online, it is so cheap, relatively cheap and easy to get out there and start making an impact. You know, I, Mm You know, I, I started Sorry Works in, you know, o three o four. That's when, you know, websites were just really going to be a big thing. I couldn't imagine trying to start this back in the 90s uh-huh. or 80s, you know, right. when you had to mail everything and uh-huh. you're faxing and phone calling. I, you know, and their email wasn't ubiquitous. I, I couldn't, I, I don't know how people did it unless they had a, a massive checkbook and, you know, they were just, you know, an ace at organizing and raising funds, right? Mm-hmm. But now it is relatively easy to get out there, uh, and, and to really be impactful. So, And just finding ways to help and and to get out there.
1: You hit the nail on the head in the book that we just published and you were a part of. That whole anthology, there's 31 people in there who work within the patient safety movement. And they all had a reason to be there, as you say, that they did not plan on. So you almost feel like it's an obligation. It's like this horrible thing happened to us. What am I supposed to do with this? And clearly you are right. supposed to do something with it and, and to harbor resentment and let it eat away at you is not the answer. So to put a positive spin on it and move forward. Doug, I always love your work and I and I love how you explain things and how passionate you are about what you're doing. And I think this new hotline combined with this pamphlet, did the doctor make a mistake, um, is, is just something that's so critically needed today. So as we wrap up, take us wherever you want. With, with what it is that you're doing and give us a, your call to action.
2: At this point, I, I want, I, I'm in the, the spread the word phase of this. You know, like any any new service a new offering, we're, we're trying to get the word out there. You know, the hotline number is 618-559-8168, 618-559-8168. Uh, our website is sorryworks.net. Uh, you know, there's a button right at the top in the toolbar, uh, where you can click on the, the hotline and find out more about the booklet or the booklet and or you know my email address is Doug at sorryworks dot net. So, you know, let people know about this, spread the word that this is uh will hopefully be a valuable offering for people. And, and the, the trick is, you know, you know, doctors and nurses think about this stuff all the time because they they deal with this stuff all the time, right? You know, there are always lots of mistakes happen in hospitals. They're always worried about this. Patients and families, until it happens, they don't think about it. And then when it happens they're in an emotional tornado. So reaching those people that are in that emotional tornado is going to be a trick and it's going to take work. And well, that's why I'm on your show today. That's why we're trying to promote this and just
1: hopefully people help us spread the word. Ah, and you're so good at what you do. Sorryworks.net. Sorryworks.net. And I just implore folks to check out your website. Lots of excellent um, resources there. If you have an issue where you need help or if you know of someone who needs help and it doesn't just have to be someone in a hospital nursing home any kind of health care related situation visit doug's website sorryworks.net doug um I could talk to you every day. I just love our. Yeah.
2: Co- <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to get you
1: out a little more than that. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. With this, with this whole virus thing, I've been, I've been pretty much cloistered at home. But <laughs> so yeah. maybe I do need to yeah. get out cool. a little more. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for your work and for what it is that you do. And I really ask everyone to head over to SorryWorks Thank
2: you, thank you for this opportunity, and, and I help people visit the website. And uh, thank you again.
1: Thank you, Doug.
0: The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, you have to speak up and stay alive.